Blog Talk Radio. The Keys Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. Chicago and the killings and the murders going on. 
not during that weekend, not during that time. So, again, this is an open invitation to anyone listening that has never experienced it. Be my guest. Be the guest of Brother Rudolph Muhammad. Be the guest of any of the Muhammad family. Be the guest of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Just be there. Next year, if Allah allows you to life, health, and strength, come the third weekend of February, all roads should lead to Chicago, Illinois, for the wonderful, glorious, blessed Savior's Day Convention of the Muslims. Now, what else? Now, also, what you have to remember, now, remember my show is Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, and I told you that today's topic is preparing for the storm. So now you have to also remember that when we were going through the Savior's Day weekend, a lot of people did not make it there because Chicago was almost the epicenter of two major storms. There were two storms in the Midwest that had descended Chicago, and it had O'Hare International shut down from receiving flights as well as letting flights go out. Of course, Amtrak couldn't do its thing because the rails were iced up, and uh, Greyhound, the buses, the highways, they were all messed up. So what could be done? We, uh, you know, and there's nothing that we can do about it because we're not in control. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to we're going to we're going to analyze what we're on and talk about it, and we'll use this as a critique, but also we'll use this as a form of mitigation for future uh, days to come, because right now parts of the country are in a storm warning, not a watch. Remember, a watch is just that. They are looking at something and keeping an eye on it to see which way it's going. However, what this is is a warning, meaning that it's imminent. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, where, and how bad. So what we're going to do now is let's look at this. Let's look at this thing very carefully. But before we do that, let's remember that this is Women's History Month. And so in respect for the woman, in respect, for the mother of civilization, in respect for our help me, our co-creator on this planet, let us take a minute and reverence the womb that bore us. Let us go back and let's look at a great pioneer, a great soldier, a great warrior in this struggle for freedom on these shores of North America. Let us look at 
Isabella Baumfree, B-A-U-M-F-R-E-E, Isabella Baumfree, a.k.a. Sojourner Truth. She was born 1797 in Ulster, Ulster County, which is in New York. Her family background is Sojourner Truth was born in 1997 on the Colonel Jonas Hardenberg Estate in Swartonville in Ulster County. It was a Dutch settlement in upstate New York. Again, her given name was Isabella Baumfree, also spelled B-O-M-E-F-R-E-E. Again, remember, the Dutch had colonized quite a bit of upstate New York. And again, all of that, even Harlem, above 125th Street going up, that was all farmland, a lot of it. It was being cultivated. It was being turned into the big city. But at that time, it was farmland. She was one of 13 children born to Elizabeth and James Baumfree. There were also slaves on the Hardenburg Plantation. She spoke only Dutch until she was sold from her family around the age of nine. Because of the cruel treatment she suffered at the hands of the, late, the later slave master, she learned to speak English quickly, but had a Dutch accent for the rest of her life. This is, again, Isabella Baumfrey, a.k.a. Sojourner Truth. She was first sold around nine years old with her second master, Charles Hardenberg, died in 1808. She was sold to John Neely, N-E-E-L-Y, along with a herd of sheep for $100. Neely's wife and family spoke English and beat Isabella fiercely for the frequent miscommunications. She later said that Neely once whipped her with a bundle of rods prepared in the embers and bound together with cords. It was during this time that she began to find refuge in religion. Beginning the habit of praying aloud when scared or hurt, this is how she was introduced to religion. When her father once came to visit, she pleaded with him to help her. Soon after, Martinus Schreiber purchased her for $105. He owned the tavern, and although the atmosphere was crude and morally questionable, it was a safer haven for Isabella. But a year and a half later, in 1810, she was sold again 
to John Dumo of New Paltz, New York. Isabella suffered many hardships at the hands of Mrs. Dumont, whom Isabella later described as cruel and harsh. Although she did not explain the reasons for this treatment in her later biography narrative, historians have surmised that the unspeakable things might have been sexual abuse or harassment. You can see the biography of Harriet Jacobs, um, the only former slave to write about such things, and you'll see just what we're talking about. Again, that's the biography of Harriet Jacobs. That'll give you an inkling of the things I'm not saying or the things that are left unsaid. Sometime around 1815, she fell in love with a fellow slave named Robert, who was owned by a man named Catlin or Catlin. Robert's owner forbade, forbade the relationship because he did not want his slave having children with a slave he did not own. Therefore, with that old he wouldn't own the new property. So, again, what he's saying is he didn't want his slave to fall in love with her because he didn't own her, and if they had children, that child became the property of the other slave master. Purely capitalistic game. Remember that. Slavery was and still is a business. One night, Robert visited Isabella, but was followed by his oldest son, who beat him savagely, bruising and dangling his head and face. Bound him and dragged him away. Robert never returned. Robert never returned. Isabella had a daughter shortly thereafter named Diana. In 1817, forced to submit to the will of her, her older Dumont, Isabella married an older slave named Thomas. They had four children, Peter in 1822, James, who died young, Elizabeth in 1825, and Sophia in 1826. <clears throat> the state of New York began in 1799 to legislate the gradual abolition of slaves, which was to happen July 4, 1827. Dumont had promised Isabella freedom a year before the state emancipation if she would do well and be faithful. However, he reneged on his promise, as usual, as they always did, claiming a head injury had made less productive. She was infuriated, having understood fairness and duty as a hallmark of the master-slave relationship. She continued working until she felt she had done enough by her sense of obligation to him, spending 100 pounds of wool, then escaped before dawn with her infant daughter, Sophia. She later said, I did not run off, for I thought 
that wicked, but I walked off believing that to be all right. Isabella wondered, not sure where she was going, and prayed for direction. She arrived at the home of Isaac and Maria Van Wagenen, or Wagoner, depending on what manuscripts you, you read. Soon after, Dumont arrived insisting she come back and threatened to take her baby which she refused. Isaac offered to buy her, her services for the remainder of the year until the state's emancipation took effect. Juma accepted for $20. Isaac and Maria insisted Isabella not call their master and mistress, but rather by their given name. Isabella immediately set to work retrieving her young son, Peter. He had recently been leased by Dumont to another slaveholder who then illegally sold Peter to an owner in Alabama. Peter was five years old. She first appealed to the Dumonts, then the other slaveholder, she appealed to them also to no avail. A friend directed her to act, activist Quakers who helped her make an official complaint in court. After months of legal proceedings, Peter returned to her, scarred and abused. So again, people, we're talking about Sojourner Truth. That's who we're talking about. Okay. Now, what you need to, again, understand is Sojourner Truth comes on the scene during the time that up here in the North, slavery is being abolished, but the mindset of the slave master is never to let his property go. Sojourner went to, to live with one of the association's founders, George Benson, who had established a cotton mill. Shortly thereafter, she began dictating her memoirs to Olive Gilbert, another association member. The narrative of Sojourner Truth, a northern slave, was published privately by William Lloyd Garrison in 1850. It gave her an income and increased her speaking engagements, where she sold copies of her book. She spoke about anti-slavery and women's rights, often giving personal testimony about her experiences as a slave. That same year, 1850, Benson's cotton mill failed, and he left Northampton. So Jordan bought a home there for $300 in 1854 at the Ohio Women's Rights Convention in Akron, Ohio, she gave her most famous speech with the legendary phrase, Ain't I a woman? That man over there says that women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches and to have the best place everywhere. Nobody ever helps me into a carriage 
or over mud puddles or gives me any best place and I and ain't I a woman? I have plowed and planted and gathered into barns and no man could head me. And ain't I a woman? I could work as much and eat as much as any man when I could get it and bear the lash just as well. And ain't I a woman? I have borne 13 children and seen most of, of all sold off to slavery. And when I cried out with my mother's grief, none but Jesus heard me. And ain't I a woman? Sojourner later became involved with the popular spiritualism religious movement of the time through a group called the Progressive Friends, an offshoot of the Quakers. The group believed in abolition, women's rights, nonviolence, and communicating with spirits. In 1857, she sold her home in Northampton and and bought a home in Harmonia, Michigan, just west of Battle Creek. And she lived in that community. In 1858, at a meeting in Silver Lake, Indiana, someone in the audience accused her of being a man. She was very tall, towering around six feet. So she opened her blouse to reveal her breasts. During the Civil War, She spoke on the union's behalf as well as for enlisting black troops for the cause of freeing slaves. Her grandson, James Caldwell, enlisted in the 54th Regiment in Massachusetts. In 1864, she worked among freed slaves at a government refugee camp on an island in Virginia and was employed by the National Freedmen's Relief Association in Washington, D.C. She also met President Abraham Lincoln in October. A famous painting and subsequent photographs of it, President Lincoln showing Sojourner the Lincoln Bible, given to him by the black people of Baltimore, Maryland, in 1863. Harriet Beecher Harriet Beecher Stowe's article, The Liberian Civil, appeared in the Atlantic Monthly, a romanticized description of Sojourner. The previous year, William Story's statue of the same title inspired by the article won an award at the London World Exhibition. After the Civil War ended, she continued working to help the newly freed slaves through the Freedmen's Relief Association, then the Freedmen's Hospital in Washington. In 1867, she moved from Harmonia to Battle Creek, 
converted William Barrett's barn into a house for which he gave her the deed four years later. In 1870, she began campaigning for the federal government to provide former slaves with land in the New West. She pursued this for seven years with little success. In 1874, after touring with her grandson, Sammy Banks, he fell ill and she developed ulcers on her legs. Sammy died after an operation. She was successfully treated by Dr. Orville Gutenberg, a veterinarian, and headed off on speaking tours again, but had to return home due to illness once more. She did continue touring as much as she could, still campaigning, campaigning for free land for former slaves. In 1879, Sojourner was delighted as many free slaves began migrating west and north on their own, many settling in Kansas. She spent a year there helping refugees and speaking in white and black churches, trying to gain support for the exodusters as they tried to build new lives for themselves. This was to be her last mission. Sojourner made few appearances around Michigan, speaking about temperance and against capital punishment. In July 1883, with ulcers on her leg, she sought treatment through Dr. John Harvey Kellogg at the famous Battle Creek Sanitarium. It is said she grafted some of his old skin. Wait a second, he grafted some of his old skin onto her leg. So Turner returned home with her daughters, Diana and Elizabeth, their husbands and children, and died there on November 26, 1883, at 86 years old. She was buried in Oak Hill Cemetery next to her grandson. In, in 1890, Francis Titus, who published the third edition of Sojourner's Narrative in 1875 and became Sojourner's traveling companion after Sammy died, collected money and erected a monument on the gravesite, inadvertently inscribing, aged about 105 years. She then commissioned artist Frank Kircher to paint the meaning of Sojourner and President Lincoln. Sojourner Truth has posthumously been honored many ways over the years. A memorial stone in the Stone History Tower in Monument Park downtown Battle Creek in 1935. A new grave marker by the Sojourner Truth Memorial Association in 1946. A historical marker commemorating members of her family buried with her in the cemetery in 1961. 
a portion of Michigan State Highway M66 designated the Sojourner Truth Memorial Highway in 1976. Induction into the National Women's Hall of Fame in Seneca Falls, New York in 1981. Induction into the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame in Lansing, Michigan in 1983. A commemorative postage stamp in 1986. A Michigan milestone marker by the State Bar of Michigan for her contribution. Three lawsuits she won to the legal system in 1987. A marker erected by the Battle Creek Club of the National Association of Negro Business and Professional Women's Clubs also in in 1987. A Mars probe named for her in 1997. A community-wide year-long celebration of the 200th anniversary of her birth in Battle Creek in 1997. Plus a larger-than-life statue of her by artist Tina Allen. And finally... The first black woman honored with a bus in the U.S. Capitol, October 2008. The date of her death, November 26, 1883. The place of her death, Battle Creek, Michigan, portrayed by Stephen Tolliver. And there are several suggested readings that will give you a good depiction of who Sojourner Truth was, what she fought for, and what she did. This is what uh, Sojourner Truth, a.k.a. Isabella Balfrey, this is who she is, who she was, And this is that great black woman who stands in the history as a legacy of the contributions of black women in this country since slavery. You are listening to your host, Rudolph Muhammad. This is The Keys 107, Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. And we are going to go to a commercial break. And when we return, then we will talk about preparing for the storm. Disaster awareness. And the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present the final call. The final call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, the final call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. 
Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read finalcall.com. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, Brothers and sisters, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Student Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad, and the believers cordially invite you to visit Muhammad's Mosque Number no. 7, located at 106-8 West 127th Street, Harlem, New York, between Adam Clayton Powell and Malcolm X Boulevards. Meeting times are Sundays, 10 o'clock a.m., Wednesdays at 8 p.m., and Juma Prayer, Fridays at 1.15 p.m. For more information, dial 212-865-1200. Once again, 212-865-1200 or www.mosque7.org. Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad.
at your leisure, I have a few websites that you need to go to and check check out some things. One, I want you to check out www.intactcdc.org. Intactcdc.org. When you go to that website, you're going to go all the way down at the bottom of the page to where it has social media, and you're going to click on the YouTube icon. When you get to the YouTube icon, you're going to go all the way down, and you're going to look at the clips for the pre-interview, the post-interview, and inside FEMA. What this is, this is a documented account of what went on at FEMA headquarters in a meeting with black clergy, black churches, and other black organizations uh, heads and leaders and the director of FEMA, Director Fugate. Myself, Brother Aton Edwards and Brother Barry Crumbly were blessed to be at that meeting from a different perspective, though. We did not go there with a list of demands for FEMA. We did not go there with uh, the intention of walking away with anything from FEMA. Our main purpose for going there was to try and talk to those who were going there, begging, to get them to unite with us on a plan that would work for our family and our communities. To no avail, we walked away um, sparking interest from a few individuals there, to say the least, which we have maintained correspondence with since then. But by and large, um, we did not get the overwhelming support for the plan that we had that we should have got it, got more that we envisioned. And this is much to the dismay of you, the people of the community. Here's the deal. How long have we been in this country? How long have we been marching, fighting, begging for, I won't even say equality, I'll just say a fair deal, and haven't gotten it yet. So what makes you think that we're going to get it at any point? Again, the body of the oppressor 
is to oppress. The mind of the oppressed is to be a victim. We don't have either mindset in the three of us. Our mindset is empowerment, self-reliance, and survival. Let me read something to you that was written um, quite some time ago. Um, the book was actually uh, copyrighted in 1973. Okay. But it speaks about the four great judgments of America. It speaks to the fact of the wickedness in the mindset of those who are in control and that they, because of their inordinate self-interest, will derail the country and send the country on the express track to hell. The name of the book is called The Fall of America. And on page 157, chapter 36, it says, Four Great Judgments of America. To be plagued with too much rain will destroy property and lives. It swells the rivers and creeks. Too much rain floods cities and towns. Large bodies of water at the ocean shorelines will be made to swell with unusually high waves dumping billions of tons of water over and onto the shorelines. Rain destroys property and kills cattle by drowning them in low lands. Rain destroys the hiding places of vicious beasts and reptiles, bringing them out fighting in small towns, in people's homes and farms. Rain weakens and destroys railroads, truck line beds, and bridges. Rain undermines foundations of all types of buildings. Rain makes the atmosphere too heavy with moisture, causing sickness and disease. Wind with rain can bring destruction to towns and cities, bringing various germs, causing sickness to the people. It produces unclean water by swelling of streams and destroying reservoirs of pure drinking water used for the health of the people. Rain is a destructive army within itself. Hailstones are also a property and life destroyer. Snow is of the most dreaded plague when it comes in great drifts from 5 to 35 feet. It buries your property and lives. It destroys your highways, your cities, 
and your concrete and gravel in towns and cities. It puts a great burden of expense upon the cities. It puts a great burden of expense upon the city to repair it. The cave-in the cave of rooftops of homes, the cutting off of homes, the cutting off of transportation, isolated areas, brings about starvation, and communication is destroyed with the icing of communication wires. Snow looks pretty because of its clean look. Almost everything of nature is beautiful, but it can be turned into death and destruction against man. Snow is prophesied to be one of the weapons that God will use against the wicked, in parentheses, America. The book of Job, chapter 38, verse 22 and 23. Hail also is mentioned in the same two verses, where God plainly tells us that he preserved it against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war. The Holy Quran also teaches us that God used snow, rain, wind, hail, earthquakes, and fire against former wicked people. I'll stop there. Again, this is The Fall of America by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, chapter 36, starting on page 157, talking about the four great judgments. Now, we're talking about preparing for the storm. In one sense, I could be talking about the physical storm that's about to hit the East Coast and the Midwest again. In one sense, I could be talking about the storm that is hitting our community because of the mindset of individuals. In another sense, I could be talking about the storm that is hitting us due to spiritual death. Either way we go, preparing for the storm means that we have work to do. Another website, well, to finish about Intact CDC, again, all scroll down. All the way on the page, go to the YouTube icon, go to the pre-interview, the post-interview, and the inside fever, and look at what was said, and look at what was not said. Then, keeping in mind, how much money do we as people of color, and now I'm not exclusively talking just about people of color. I'm talking about oppressed people everywhere. But I'm specifically talking about people of color because historically we have a habit 
of spending our money where it should not be and spending our money with people who don't mean any good to us. When if we redirected that flow of currency and cycled it amongst ourselves, we would have the funding necessary to fund any project, any program, any social reform uh, platform that we wanted to, needed to, or desired to. I spoke a few weeks ago about us amassing a treasure chest just for disasters alone. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, in his blueprint at Savior's Day, spoke about us amassing a treasure chest simply by saving $18.20 a year amongst the $22 million. He also spoke a few years ago about us putting a dollar a week away to go into a national treasure chest for disaster preparedness. How many of us remember that? He asked us to fast one day a week and to put a dollar away for that. How many of us did that either personally, locally, or nationally? Right. So, again, there's another answer to our problem right there. Now, if we go to another website, ready, R-E-A-D-Y, for, F-O-R, anything, A-N-Y-T-H-I-N-G, all spelled out, readyforanything.org. This is the website of the International Preparedness Network, to which Brother H.R. Edwards is the executive director. But if you go on that website, as soon as it comes up, you see a picture of a sister with a gas mask on, and the caption says, Pandemic Survival. But then right next to it, you see a picture of, it says, Human, Human Shelter Initiative, and it has pictures of gold. All right. Then when you go down, it says Escape from the Grid. This was a evacuation walk that was held uh, a little over a year ago where we walked from the Bronx, the borderline of Mount um, Vernon, down to 125th Street. Never once touching the main streets, like, um, you know, or on the highways, always going along the water and down the waterfront in order to be able to show people how they would have to move at the time when the evacuation of the city was going to take place. We stopped at various places and held classes on various things. And those that participated, I believe they got a great deal of information out of it, and they're looking for the next one. 
So keep your ears tuned for what's coming up next. Then there's a clip on there from the movie Contagion, which if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Think about how life imitates art or how art imitates life. You choose. But then the rest of the website, if you scroll down it, it gives you good, detailed information on a lot of things from the CDC's perspective and from um, other people in the preparedness community's perspective. Then you see a yellow caution sign that says, ready up with someone with a backpack on. Looks like they're going camping. Then you see Brother Aton Edwards, and if you press on the arrow, it takes you to a clip from him. Then there's a picture of him and his lovely mother, the woman who, without her intervention, we would not have had him. Then we're looking at a picture of emergency transportation, and you see a man with a mask on, a backpack on, and a bicycle. When the going gets really tough, you may need emergency transportation, a bicycle, a good pair of shoes. And what we recommend is a Montague paratrooper bike. It's a folded bike with Kevlar tires that is light enough to carry and sturdy enough to ride on any terrain. Okay, if you keep scrolling down, you're going to see uh, pictures of other types of transportation, some not the conventional stuff that you're used to seeing. However, again, thinking about what it is we're talking about today and who we are and what we do, it's right on time. And these are where your investments of your money should be at, knowing the time and what must be done. Now, remember, we're still in the um, post-Hurricane Sandy era, and there's a lot more. There's a lot more still to come because there are a lot of communities that still are in the same place they were the day after Sandy. All you have to do is take a trip around the city. Some places are being rebuilt, but some are not. All right. There we go. 
Now, if you go to the website, uh, the keys, 107network.com, and if you go to the programs and schedules and click on the disaster preparedness program and then go into resources and links, again, we have posted on the site for you a sample of documents that may help you in preparing yourself and your family. We have a go bag list, a vehicle survival kit list, a 911 emergency location information card, and we have a list for things that you should have asked if you're going to try to shelter in place. Then, what's over there is a snippet. It's a brief, very brief um, PowerPoint presentation or the beginning of a PowerPoint presentation of a presentation that we do to teach and get people's eyes open, the awareness of it, of disasters, and what it's really all about. So, if you go, again, if you go on to that site, now, that email address and the phone number that's on the last slide is not active, not up to date. Um, but if you look at that and if you feel that this is something that you may want to get the full um, presentation on, they contact the keys, 107, Sister Rafiko or Brother James, or contact myself directly, and let's work on getting me to your area where you are so that I can give you this PowerPoint presentation and give you this information on these 10 parts, the introduction and vocabulary, fire safety, Nuclear, biological, and chemical hazards, know thy neighbor, natural disasters, disaster preparedness, what you need to know, and what you need to know. Those areas, again, will help in a setting where there is no age limit. Young, middle age, old can all be there together and taking notes, um, comparing information, giving their experiences, because everyone has experience in something. But contact us so we can get this to you. Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness is the name of the function. It's the name of the workshop. 
So once again, that's that's that. That's on the website for you to look at. So right now we're going to go to another commercial break, and again when we come back, preparing for the storm. I haven't forgotten about it. All of this is preparing for the storm because to prepare means to make ready beforehand. To prepare means to mitigate or put things in place before something has happened. So that's what we're doing. I'm trying to put things in your mind to get you to understand the seriousness of the hour and the time and what must be done. I'm Rudolph Muhammad, and this is the Keys 107 Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. We save lives in the community, and we go to any community that needs to learn how to save lives. We're not bound by territory or borders. We go wherever people need the help. Save a Life Rescue Squad, 718-453-4617. That's 718-453. 453-4617. Brothers and sisters, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Student Minister Henry Muhammad, and the believers cordially invite you to visit Muhammad's Mosque Number 7C in Brooklyn, located at 202B Pennsylvania Avenue between Pitkin and Glenmore Avenue. Meeting times are Sundays at 11 o'clock, doors open promptly at 10, and Wednesday evenings at 8 p.m. For more information, dial 718-342-1900. Once again, that's 718-342-1900 or www.muhammadmosque7c.org. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautiful... Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Boom, 
107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing at the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. Network is proud to present Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. Go back with the things that you're going to need in it. 
you are to where you need to be. What is your evacuation plan just in case? Have you notified someone that you may be coming to stay with them for a period of time? Whether it's a friend or a relative in the same community or whether it's a friend or a relative completely across town or in another state. And do you have provisions there for you because you don't want to show up at someone's doorstep um, and become a nuisance to them because now you're taking away from their supplies. Your emergency planning checklist, okay, you need to plan out at least three escape routes. You need to know where the utility shut-offs are for your current location in case you want to shut the gas, the water, the electricity off before you leave. You need to uh, get the telephone numbers of major people in your life that you may need to want to contact. Special needs, do you have animals or pets that you need to provide for prior to? And then other special needs. Is there someone that's hearing impaired? Is there someone who has a mobility issue, meaning someone is either wheelchair-bound or they're crippled in the sense that they don't have the flexibility to really move around like that, okay? Um, Are you a single working parent that has children? Are you a dog? English speaking, or are you in an area that don't really speak the language of the people? Are you in a situation where you do not have a vehicle, and so you have to travel by public transportation or walk? And then are you an individual that has special medical concerns or dietary constraints? You have to um, allow for that. If you have medical concerns, you need to have a supply of your medications as well as having your medical issues written down with the dosages and amounts and times that you take your medication as well as having copies of your insurances with you so when you get where you're going, if you need treatment or help, you will have the necessary things that you need. In assembling your disaster kit, whether it's a kit for um, you to shelter in place or whether it's a kit, uh, a go bag that you're going to be taking with you, what do you have in it? You should have a first aid kit, a medical supplies to deal with things um, when they arrive. You should have your toiletries to deal with your hygiene. You should have a change of underwear as well as a change of clothes, you should have seasonal clothing for the terrain and the uh, climate that you're in. You should have definitely water, uh, either water purification system, or if you can get the life straws or those straws, get those, but you definitely need water. Now, as far as food is concerned, yeah, you can carry around the cans of chunky soup, but that bag is going to get awfully heavy. You need to want, you may want to uh, 
alternative source of food, freeze-dried food, where all you need is water, or uh, that you want to deal with non-perishable food in the sense of protein, high protein, dealing with your protein bars and uh, trail mixes and things of that nature, things that are not going to fill you up like a steak and potato dinner, but it will give you the necessary energy, nutrients, and calories that you need for the demand that this time is going to put on your body. And lastly, sheltering. Either you're going to shelter in place or you're going to be desiring shelter, so you need to keep that in mind ahead of time. Well, that's it for this week. That's all the time we have. We're not going to go any further. But I think that I've given you enough that you can at least get started. And so next week you can have your questions written down and you can call into the show and we can go further into this on how to actually prepare yourself for a disaster because there are things you need to do before, then you have to activate your plan during, and then you have to make an assessment and regroup afterwards. But with all of this, you must keep faith, the faith that you can survive it, and if the Creator blesses you with life, health, and strength that you do survive it, you need to have the knowledge of what must be done. So the spiritual community goes with the physical community. They are one and the same in two halves of a whole. So again, thank you for your time and your patience this week on Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. The network is the is 107, and I am your host, Brother Rudolph Bahamas. Come on.